Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tom's Hardware Show. I'm your host, Sharon Harding, and today we're talking cooling in cases with Region Tech, checking out a DIY laptop, there you go, and also looking at Razer's first AMD gaming laptop. Yes, so we are live, everybody, and we are taking questions from the viewers, as always. So if you have anything you'd like to ask, just drop your question into the chat while you're watching this, and we'll try to discuss it on air. So here with me today is Tom's Hardware Senior Editor and Laptop Leader, Andrew Friedman. How are you, Andrew? You got a different one every time, Sharon, but I'm good. How are you? <laughs> you better not come on the show too many more times, because I'm running out of names. <laughs> Um, we also have a very special guest with us today, Region Tech's Director of Product Development and Operations, Tony Sahin. Welcome, Tony. How are you? I'm doing great, Sharon and Andrew. <clears throat> How are you guys? Hope you're doing great as well. Yeah, we are. We are. Glad to have you here, Tony. Likewise. Of course, you know Tom's Hardware is all about PC building, so I'm glad to have you here to talk cases and cooling. Obviously, you can't build without a case, and some liquid cooling doesn't help. Um, doesn't hurt. It does. It, it does help. It certainly helps that CPU. <laughs> so um, let's start with Region Tech. Um, you know, for anyone who's watching who has never heard of you guys before, can you just give us a brief introduction? Yeah, sure. Um, actually, our company was built in 2013. Um, we have former Sigma Tech Cooler Master Asus uh, management guys who um, thought of uh, launching their own company, and this is where we are. We started with cases and air cooling, and we worked our we worked through to um, DIY liquid cooling systems and complete AIOs. That's a brief introduction, just very short. Awesome, awesome. Um, so yeah, cases cooling. Uh, do you have any products on hand that you could kind of show to the viewers? Yes, I have a whole bunch of them actually. Um, we just started with our complete DIY lineup in a uh, real high-end uh, quality. This is our so-called Intella Evo with real glass reservoir, uh, POM material, so no aloe copper mix, um, original D5 pump inside already. And um, yeah, this is our high runner model. Um, it's selling uh, crazy. It's always out of stock, to be honest. So we also have the same one just in a shorter, with a shorter reservoir, which is a, because it's pretty high. It's like 33 centimeters, um, around um, 11 inches almost. So um, it's uh, only for high-end, really huge builds. But if somebody wants to shoot for a mini ITX, for example, we will have the same one with like maximum of 20 centimeters in total. So 10 centimeters shorter. Yeah, that's um, one of our high-end uh, pump models with ARGB for sure. Then uh, we also have our distro plates coming with 240 and 360, um, including uh, Lowara, um, Xylem, um, original DDC pumps and D5 pumps here with um, um, <clears throat> complete um, and the flow meter, as you can see here. We also... Um, have the 360 version here which is uh, still original packed let me unpack it for you a free unboxing right before our eyes 
Yes. <clears throat> Here we are. This is the 360 model. It's also an original D5 Lawara pump. Yeah, this is the 360 model. We produce the same one without pumps as well. So a pure distro plate. Yeah. Um, let me just pack that on the site. We also do the bending tools um, completely made out of aluminium. So it's uh, pretty high-end as well. And um, also very proud to just show you the brand new reservoirs coming out without a pump. Those are pure reservoirs. They are called the Entilla Pure Series. Also with ARGB out of the box directly. Real, tempered glass, and um, yeah. Um, it, it will also come in a shorter version for the mini ITX build. Um, for further infos, just uh, check out www.ragentech.com. So do you have a release date for that? Um, they're already released. Uh, we are just uh, currently there's a big issue with the vessels out of from Asia. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, a whole bunch of uh, shipments got uh postponed and postponed and postponed they are already on the way to the to the US actually to the to North America in total I hope that they will yeah be on the shelves around the middle of August that's what I hope at least yeah yeah we've all learned to take stock and release dates <laughs> with a grain of salt for now um so awesome so in terms of yeah, you've got a lot in there for people into cooling. Uh, so we have, you know, AIOs, all-in-ones, and then you have like the custom, the custom side of it, custom loops, and you guys have some kits enabling that. Um, so what are you seeing in terms of, you know, what PC builders are gravitating most right now? The AIOs are kind of doing their own custom, uh, custom loops. For let's call it standard gaming PCs, they're going for the AIO. In terms of, you know, uh, cost-wise, plus the effort that you need to um, put into a system, <clears throat> especially for those system builders, it's more convenient with the AIOs. But as a matter of fact, you can only cool down the uh, CPU, but not the GPU. So if you want to have a complete custom build, there is no other way than uh, just doing the DIY systems. Cool. I'm interested to hear um, your thoughts, Andrew. Uh, you know, as Tony said, AIOs are obviously simpler, but we do have some vendors like Rage and Tech and others, mm -hmm. you know, trying to make the custom side of it a bit easier. Um, Corsair, for example, has like a custom cooling configurator on their site. You right. just like put in your case and your motherboard and I believe your CPU and they kind of help you build it out. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts? Do you see custom cooling gaining popularity? Is it just to complex or can these like kits and configurators kind of help there? You know, I haven't had that like to, I haven't gotten to build something from scratch with one of these kits. So it's hard to know. I mean, AIOs are really popular for a reason, right? They're, they come in one piece. You don't have to fill, you know, you don't have to worry about like, filling them and draining them. They just go in the, and, and they look cool. You know, what looks cooler, the custom loop looks cooler. Of course it does. <laughs> and in, and in some cases it's more effective. And as you know, as you just said that like it, you can, you could pull your GPU shroud off and do it that way. It is more complicated, but I mean, that is the, that is the above and beyond enthusiast thing. Will this make it easier? 
I hope I'm all for everything getting easier because that means more people can get into the depths of the hobby. Will it? I don't know because right now it's so because right. I mean, over the past few years it may have, but right now it's so hard to get everything else. They actually have a question, which is, how are you seeing demand for things like coolers when CPUs and GPUs are constantly selling selling out? Are are CPU cooling or cooling kits also like are are water blocks and and cooling kits and reservoirs also also selling out or are you just having like are you sitting around waiting for people to get the gpus because they can't get them because they're going into bitcoin mining rigs or mm -hmm. ethereum mining rigs honestly speaking um it's um the diy um is pretty diversified they keep on constantly changing their CP cpu blocks they keep on constantly changing their okay. it's it's more like about aesthetics first of all if they can afford yeah. it if they can afford it if somebody can afford it they are keeping they, they keep on just changing they keep on just changing they want to have another theme they want to go for another from acrylic block to a complete copper block or a nickel block or whatsoever i mean <clears throat> For sure, it's selling more and more. It's increasing in sales numbers. If we talk figures, yes, it's increasing for sure. Is that even during a, a component shortage? Yes, yes. Wow. But by then, by then, they mostly. Uh, I mean, we didn't launch our um, 30xx uh, GPU models yet, um, uh, GPU blocks yet, just because of that reason. To be honest, because there was there was no almost no cards on the market. <clears throat> So we we thought, okay, we will uh, move that, uh, we will postpone that. Just, but um, it is. I mean, my my concern is actually um, that custom cooling is pretty expensive. You mm -hmm. know, you can spend thousands of bucks into custom cooling. I mean, radiators. Consider radiators, GPU blocks, pumps, reservoirs, distro plates. For a standard build, let's say not too high end, that's already almost fifteen hundred bucks, U.S. dollars only for the custom cooling. That's that's a pretty high value. That's a pretty high amount. Yeah, one thing I want—I once had a, a system that pre-builds boutique PCs with this type of cooling. Tell me that for for a small standard of people who are like super enthusiasts, that getting like this type of cooling and like doing all of that. This is like getting a car for some people, right? Like some people want to get a Ferrari, but other yeah. people want to get a completely stacked system with the, with the coolest looking lighting and the best water cooling and keep their temperature as low as possible. If for no other reason than because it looks awesome and feels really good, but it is very expensive. And that's probably what keep, that's I think what'll, what keeps it more out of reach. And as Sharon, you said, will it become more popular? I mean, Air cooling and AAOs are popular partially because they're also more attainable. But if these kits can drive down costs, then that will help a lot. Actually, you just hit the point. Um, this is why we um, just recently launched our Skilla systems. Um, it's a pretty high-end model of DIY kit uh, without the GPU block because uh, as a manufacturer, you can never... Uh, you know, you never know what what kind of GPU they are using, or else we have to bring out let let's say uh, fifty different DIY kits. So we just skip the, the GPU block, but it comes in, in a complete kit, uh, which means uh, hard tubes, uh, the pump uh, with the reservoir, the 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 the, 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 um, the radiator, the CPU block, the coolant itself, 
um, and a couple of fans, everything uh, for an extremely good price. Uh, what we are trying to do at the moment is to reach the market or reach the users with high-end DIY kits, but for a reasonable price. <clears throat> I mean, it's not all, only about the aesthetics. It's also considering this, we need to, in, in you know, all this new high-end uh, TR4, Xeon uh, CPUs, even the, the the i9, they are really, really power consumers. Yeah. <clears throat> Whatever goes in, in the whole system needs to be divided in cooling, you know, which means uh, drawing a whole bunch of power that must be cooled down. 500 watts consuming means 500 watts of cooling. So um, for sure, there is another aspect, which is the cooling itself. Yes. But um, coming back to the point is, we are trying. We are currently trying to reach out to the markets um, um, from a different angle. That means really give them a high-end model of DIY cooling kit for a reasonable price. <clears throat> so speaking of you know trying to make things simpler and attainable for builders, we do have a question from Gem Sparkles. Maybe you can help him out, Tony. Sure. And they're asking what is what is the advantage of cooling VRMs. And how do you find VRM water blocks compatible with your motherboard? I mean, cooling the VRMs, um, if, if we consider directly on the GPU, for example, if the VRM is staying cooler, that means uh, for the same performance, the power, you don't, need to, you don't need to draw that much power. We did that with a special air cooler, uh, uh, it's called the Morpheus. It's uh, globally selling crazy, uh, especially on the old 290X. Uh, we dropped the temperatures of the VRMs about 30 to 35 degrees Celsius. So that kept the, the, the cold card and the GPU itself, the chip, cooler with the same performance level. That means that you need to draw less power for keeping the same performance. Um, so rather going for in terms of you know go green dra drawing less power then also keeping your um your gpu healthier uh within the mtbf there are different ways to go for so considering the this um it's always better to keep the vrms as low in terms of the temperature as low as possible it's also healthier for your mainboard especially for overclocking as well so Gem Sparkles also has an idea for you. Um, they said, I would really like an AIO for the GPU compatible with the AIO for the CPU. When will someone create it? Uh, honestly speaking, we have something already, but it's NDA. I'm not supposed to talk about this at the moment. Oh, oh in that case, start talking about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. spill it. <clears throat> we have finished already something, but I'm trying to play around with the costs. It's uh, still too cost intensive. So, yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not allowed to talk more about it. All right. Well, at least someone else is thinking about it, Gem Sparkles. Maybe down the road um, we'll see this. I guess you're still working that out, though. Um, but it is cool to know that people are thinking about it. So you're not, you're not alone. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, if you want to see something, I have already something here, you know, I have already something, but this is a pure GPU AI. Right. But this one we finished already two years ago. 
Right. You know, but I canceled it because, um, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, back in the days, um, uh, copper radiators were pretty expensive, you know, and we are trying to drop down the pricing for the copper radiators. I mean, all the real enthusiasts, they know you shouldn't never, you should never ever mix copper and aluminum together, you know. So uh, to be cost effective, uh, back in the days we used, uh, we tried to work it out with an aluminum radiator, but in the end I denied it. So, but I have the model here. If you want to see it, I can show it. It's no problem. I think if you want to show us a GPU AIO that works with the CPU one, the one that's under NDA. <laughs> that's, um, <laughs> not at this show. Sorry. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stay tuned for sure. <laughs> I'm um, come back to you with that. Awesome. So stay tuned, Gem Sparkles. We'll see what we can learn down the line. Um, so I know we, we've been talking cooling for a while, but I did promise we'd get into cases as well. Um, Tony, what are you seeing in terms of, you know, PC cases right now? Um, the pandemic, as Andrew kind of hinted at before, has really hit a lot of the PC building um, world. It's really hard to get parts, um, components. Um, what are you seeing on the PC case and have was that area affected as badly by the pandemic and how is it doing now? I mean, during pandemic, um, system integrators, they still had a whole bunch of um, GPUs. So, but it went more likely into the high-end uh, versions. So during the pandemic, um, less and less uh, mid-range and entry-level was sold, but more and more high-end. So in terms of that, uh, as Ragen Tech, we used to, we, we, we had, we saw some increase in selling the high-end models such as, as the Enyo and for example, the Ares Evo, the Payment Premium and a whole bunch of other stuff. So uh, going towards the high-end, that was the right, the pandemic was good for that, to be honest, honestly speaking. It went more into high-end because people, they, they chose better instead of paying twice for, let's say, starting with a mid-range and then going towards high-end, they started to, um, you know, uh, research well and started to uh, build the high-end directly. Okay. Do you have anything you could tell us in terms of, you know, what's coming up from Region Tech? Either in, you told us a little bit, you showed us some products, but anything to add there in terms of cases, cooling, things to keep your eyes open for? Um, check out our pay and premium, to be honest. Uh, the pay and standards is selling pretty well in the U.S. as well. And um, pay and premium, the Ares Evo, the Enyo. Uh, one of my users or one of my partners here in uh, Europe, in, in the U.K., he's just uh, building up an Intel uh, gaming uh, dual mainboard uh, system uh, based on the Enyo. Uh, globally, uh, it is becoming more and more... Um, famous to be honest um as well as the Ares evo this is a chassis that is really enthusiast level um it supports up to three times 600 millimeter radiators so there is nothing that you can't cool down with that chassis to be honest in terms of spacing you know and um yeah paying premium is pretty nice it's a really good high-end model uh, you can place four um 360 radiators with any depth so 60 80 millimeters is no problem as well and stay tuned. We're going to bring a whole bunch of new stuff around Christmas time again. Okay, right for the holiday season. Very yes. cool. Um, well, Tony is going to be hanging out with us for the rest of the show. So if you have any more questions you'd like to ask him or um, ask about Rage and Tech, just drop them into the chat and we'll try to get into it.
Um, in the meantime, you know, we've been talking about PC building and yeah, that's usually about creating desktops, but the framework laptop wants to bring the DIY to laptops somehow. Um, Andrew, you reviewed the framework laptop DIY edition for Tom's hardware this week. How would you describe this thing? I was trying to describe it to Tony before. I was like, right. So, <laughs> so this is it. And the, the, they sell it as a pre-build if you don't want a DIY, but we asked her to test the DIY because that's what we do here. And for the most part, it's a pretty normal laptop, right? It's a, a, right. It looks as you would expect. What's DIY about it is sort of threefold. Number one, it doesn't, it comes what you would call a bare bones desktop. It comes in a similar way. So you get this laptop here, but it doesn't have, you have to bring your own RAM, bring your own storage and bring your own operating system. And even a, you can even opt to bring your own charger if you don't want one of theirs and don't want the extra cost. So that works, that works pretty nicely. If you have those parts, you want to be able to choose your own, they'll happily sell them to you. Um, the other part is, and I kind of hid this from you is there are these holes for ports, right? And there's two on each side. And they're all, if you really look in there, the USB type C, but they sell, and I've got several of these here, these modules, these expansion ports. So I've got some of them here. And the idea is you pick the ones you want, right? So when you buy this thing, you're good. Well, I want a USB type C port. So you take that and you just plug it in, right? Oh, and I also want, you know, I want micro SD. And I want HDMI, and I want display, and or you know USB type. Oh, this is display port. You know, you want USB Type A, could do that well, just as well, right? And so that way, you pick the ports you want, except for a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack. And in that way, you can sort of customize, right? Because usually, when you get a laptop, you get what you get, and if that means, and in this case, if you want four USB C ports, like some more recent like MacBook Pros or Dell XPSs, you can do that. If you want two X. I was using two USB-C ports, one on either side, so I could charge on either side, and then USB-A, and then display ports, so I could go connect to a monitor. So there's lots of options there. But the other big thing that makes it repairable, if I can get the, I can get these out, is that they really have a lot of, they have guides that they're working on. They haven't published them all yet. They say they'll have them by time they're all shipped out. But they include a screwdriver, this little tool. It's a screwdriver slash spudger. Um, it uses Torx D5. The other side is regular Phillips head, though they haven't used it. And you can get into this computer and take out just about anything with a single Torx T5. And obviously that's the RAM and the SSD and all that. But it also means that I was able to, within 15 minutes, I had the entire motherboard out. And the idea here is that the motherboard will come out and that at some point in the future, they'll sell a new one, right? And Maybe they'll go with AMD or maybe they'll have next gen Intel and that you'll be able to go and just really easily jump in here. And instead of throwing out your laptop when, when you're ready to upgrade to a new chipset, you can just plug in a new one. So I've undone the screws here and I want to show you just how easy this is because it really just pops up in the corner. And this whole thing is, well, I can only hold this up so well, unfortunately, but the whole keyboard is held on with magnets and then well magnets and screws obviously and then when you get in there uh here we go so i've popped that i'm gonna be really careful because there's a ribbon cable right but you get inside and there is everything and you might see notice a whole bunch of qr codes for those of you who are watching this on video and those are what you will scan those with your phones i mean if you want and it will in theory it's going to lead you to guides on how to get it out 
And so that's, it's just like really cool that they have that ability and like everything is as easy as possible to remove. Even this bezel, like if you just open, if you just open the screen and then you can literally just start peeling it. Like, look, I've just, I've just took the bezel off, right? You, and they're gonna sell different colors again in theory. That's sort of the rub with this thing is that sure you can get, you know, your most recent Intel chips and you can get a laptop that works pretty well, but this is a startup. So it's not like there's a ton of, I mean, you don't know about that story. Like they say they're gonna sell more of these things, right? That are gonna have more ports or they're gonna have one with ethernet for instance. They say that they're gonna, that they're gonna put out new main boards and have different colored bezels and that you'll be able to take everything apart and put it back together again while still having a laptop. It's also a startup. So I guess part of it is how much you trust the company to get that done. That's super interesting. I, there is something very satisfying about watching you pretty much destroy that laptop, but it's not even broken, of course. It's <laughs> meant right. to and, work like that, yeah. It was really just like the, the thought that was that's put into it internally is really cool. The fact that like they had instructions that, and look, I mean, I've built computers, I've been pulling them apart. For me, like the fact that I could get it out in that much time still felt like really like, wow, they put a lot of thought on this, this was easy. If you're brand new to computers, I don't know if swapping them out is going to be as simple. But, and in that case, maybe I would opt for the regular edition. But as far as this goes, like you can, you can get in there, you can get everything out. And I hope they succeed if only so that like they could actually move forward with that. I don't know if the average person is going to want to go and swap, you know, swap main boards and then like buy new RAM, buy new SSDs to go on it. But for a certain subset of people, the idea that they can really sort of own what's inside of it and then like not throw it out so they're not creating e-waste, is it's a really big draw. I mean, you might have heard a lot about like the right to repair, this idea that either through legislation or just by like for the better of our environment and economy, we should be able to get into our get in and repair things ourselves and have documentation. And this is sort of just like screaming in support of it. For sure. Um, yeah, I'm curious what you think, Tony. You're obviously not scared to get inside computers and you know upgrade them, work with them. Uh, what do you think about this um, concept of you know releasing a system that has this level of customization and is so easy to upgrade and or repair like this? I think the main idea is pretty clear and honestly speaking, very good. But I'm doubting that it is. Um, I don't know. I've seen uh, users, um, uh, you know, most of the people, they don't even really read uh, instru instruction manuals. You know, <laughs> this is this is where it comes, you know. It, it must be dummy safe. I yeah, agree is, with that, especially yeah. if you're going to be, you know, as Andrew said, part of this is it allowing you the right to repair and the assumption there, like part of the reason, you know, vendors will say they don't want you to repair it is because they think you're going to damage it and, you know, a way beyond the warranty and whatnot. So, yeah, it has to be in a way that doesn't encourage people who aren't that experienced to just break their own laptop. Um, but, yeah, what were you going to say, Andrew? I said I, I do agree. It's not foolproof. There's there's nothing about it that's foolproof. There's definitely a certain type of person, a certain enthusiast person they're really going for here. I mean, I guess part of it is the only 
I could see there being a person out there who who sees this and really likes this idea, right? Like this idea that you take something and it's yours and you keep it to last and you only upgrade when you absolutely have to and that you're not contributing to e-waste. But then the question is, is, does, is that person gonna wanna go to their local licensed repair shop and do it there? So it's definitely for a very niche group. Agree on that totally, yes. And then but, that's the, but that's the question. Can a niche group keep the company going long enough to keep to keep making them and again i hope i hope they do just i think this is a really good idea but i don't know i don't know if it's possible and we're going to find that out i mean i i can talk on behalf of, of a manufacturer you know sure you're com completely right that this niche either is going to be extremely expensive or you need to make that niche becoming mainstream that's the point and that's the art about it, to be honest. Because if you can manage people uh, to be able, I mean, take for example, a standard um, phone, you know, like this one here, you know, if you want to change the the uh, battery, it's just opening the back cover and just, just exchange it. That's really dummy safe. But if you go into laptops, if somebody's using a screwdriver in instead of the spatula, for example, and he's gonna damage some lines on the main board, so what to do? How to prove it was done by him or by her, doesn't matter. Um, how to prove that, how to get the warranty claimed. There, I see I see the big issues there. It's it's definitely a tough part. And yeah. I mean, I I honestly I don't know how they're gonna do it. I guess we're gonna see it in real time. Cause I know I believe they've started shipping today. They posted a video. In fact, since they started shipping, I can give a couple of quick just thoughts on it. I mean, I appreciate them with a three by two screen. That's really nice. I feel build quality overall is pretty solid. There's a little more flex in some areas than you might get from a premium case. Like I found the touchpad to feel really kind of plasticky and like that, or and like that didn't feel, well, not plastic. Like it felt kind of like cheap. Like it didn't feel like a ton of thought was put in there. The keyboard has deep travel, 1.5 millimeters. It's a little soft for my taste, but it's not bad there. And the performance, here's the thing about performance. Yeah, we benchmarked it. We benchmarked it with the parts that we put in there. For everyone else, that's gonna be different. Um, they're using Intel parts right now. You can go up to a core I, I say i7 1185G7. I hope I got that number right. Starting from 749 if you bring your own. Um, they, I believe it starts from 999 if you get them pre-built. So we're, we're really gonna see if this becomes a thing. Again, I think it's a niche. I, they have a lot of smart people who have done this before. And I honestly think the fact that there is a product in my hands means they got a lot farther than a lot of others who, who try, you know, a lot of, than a lot of other startups. So like, I'm optimistic for them. I think this is a good first shot, but I also like have this one thing. It's like, things don't always work out. I hope it does, but they don't. Yeah, I guess this is another thing we'll have to stay tuned to see. Um, you know, what comes of this. I'm going to share a link in the chat now um, with Andrew's review of the Framework DIY laptop. So check that out if you are interested um, and definitely drop in your questions if you have any more on those um, on the Framework laptop. But in the meantime, you know, maybe building a laptop isn't quite up your alley. So we are of course still testing the latest pre-built laptops for you here at Tom's Hardware. Um, so this week I got to check out the Razer Blade 14, which is Razer's first gaming laptop to use an AMD CPU. So let me show that 
to you guys right now. Dramatic unveiling, here we go. So as you can see, this is a very thin gaming laptop. You might almost mistake it for like an ultra portable productivity laptop if it wasn't for these bright green snakes living on the lid right here. The sun is kind of catching it, but you can see it's quite showy. It's already yeah. trying to grab your attention. Um, so this is just about uh, seven tenths of an inch thick. It's quite thin um, and it comes with either an RTX 3070 or an RTX 3080 graphics card, Max-Q graphics card. Um, so we tested it with the RTX 3070. Um, so let me open it up. Of course, this is a Razer product. So once you get in there, you get an RGB show on the keyboard. Um, as you can see, I'm getting some weird effect here. This actually happened last week. It looks like- Yeah, it's like green screening and showing parts of your room or something. That is so bizarre. But here you go, there's the RGB keyboard. Ignore the screen. The screen does not look like that in real life. But I should talk about the screen. It's 14 inches um, and you get a couple options here. You can do uh, 1080p, 144 hertz or 1440p at 165 hertz. That's um, the version we tested. Um, but the big story inside here, as I mentioned, is the CPU. Um, so for its first AMD gaming laptop, Razer went with the Ryzen 9 5900HX. So that is an eight core CPU with a 3.3 to 4.6 gigahertz clock speed. Um, so we of course did a lot of testing here. You'll have to check out the full review on tomshardware.com, of course, for all the benchmarks. But I'm gonna give you um, a sneak peek here. Just give me a moment to pull up my benchmarks, which is always a struggle for me, so bear with me. All right, here yeah, we sure. go. Uh, let's make it a little bit bigger here. All right, so what we're looking at here are, um, it's Geekbench 5 test results, just a general productivity um, benchmark that we ran on the Razer Blade 14 and some comparison laptops. Um, what we really wanna look at here is a single core score, because um, that's what's really top of mind for gamers right now. So you can see the single core score for the Razer Blade 14. It's actually the lowest among our comparison group, um, by, but not by much. The top performing laptop here was the Gigabyte Aorus 15P with an Intel i7-11800H, and it only scored about 100, 100 points um, higher than the Razer Blade 14. So not too bad, but still less than the i7-11800H. Um, if you want to look at the multi-core score for, you know, heavier productivity, Ryzen or the Razer Blade 14 fell behind that same Gigabyte laptop by about 1,700 points. And that's an 8-core AMD chip versus an 8-core Intel chip. So um, worth noting the differences in performance there. Um, but in terms of, you know, frame rates, like I said, this is, um, we tested it with an RTX 3070 Max-Q. Um, I would say performance was pretty much as expected for that um, GPU. It, um, frame rates were like a little bit higher than another machine we tested with the same GPU, the ASUS Tough F15. Um, but we were able to hit over 60 frames per second at 1080p across um, pretty uh, across every title we tested. Um, but again, this is a 1440p screen as well, so you have that option to game at a higher resolution. I normally notice about a 30% or so drop in frame rate when moving from 1080p to 1440p. Um, so before you get too excited, I should note that this is a really expensive, pretty expensive laptop. It's currently going for $2,200, but it is pretty portable. And again, 
Um, good power for, you know, a 3070 in this kind of CPU and pretty good looking, you know, slim, advanced, modern day looking machine. Um, so curious to Curious to hear your your guys' thoughts here as I play musical chairs with our, our headshots right there. Um, they all start with you, Tony, because you are a special guest. Could you see yourself rocking a small gaming laptop like this? Honestly, no. <laughs> Too small, I, a screen, what do you need? I only believe in the real high-end machines, big ones. If you if, if you're a real gamer, there's no other way. I mean, gaming laptops, all that is pretty nice. I have a whole bunch of friends there. Uh, they are professional video cutters for German television. But as a matter of fact, also them, they mentioned if they really do hard work on a small laptop, it's overheating. First of all, it's extremely cost intensive. So they rather go for the big, big, big machines, water cool. Yeah, that's a good point. This um, this laptop definitely got hot. I mean, it, it varied. When it came to gaming, it would get really, really hot if I had been using it beforehand for a little bit, which is often, you know, how you're going to be gaming, especially yeah. since it's built as, like, kind of like the everyday portable productivity machine. Obviously, you're, there's a good chance you're going to be using it a lot before <laughs> gaming. Um, it does have, obviously, you know, you can activate those turbo fans where it gets, like, it didn't get too loud, which I was thankful for. And it made it so the keys weren't scorching, but it is pretty much, especially those central keys, like that F key, that G key, um, they got they got pretty warm and it was hard to get it, you know, not warm. Warm is like as good as it gets versus scorching. So heat um, was definitely an issue. Um, Andrew, as I mentioned, you are our laptop leader. Um, so I got to hear your thoughts on this. Sure, I mean, I think the interesting, just the interesting thing I guess the storyline in this review that like we kind of like I don't say we overlook when we test it, but it's the fact that Razer is of the laptop companies, the last big one to finally get on board. Every single major laptop company at this point has an AMD processor in a laptop. I mean, so that's like a huge turnaround from just a couple years ago where most of them did not. Like even just like two years ago, there were still a bunch of them who did. So that's a pretty big deal. So the, and the fact that it, you're, you're getting it in there with largely performance parity with the Intel systems, plus or minus some cooling is, you know, a pretty big deal. Razer has always charged a bit of a premium the same way sort of Apple does in the Mac space. Razer does that in the Windows space. So I guess there's a question of like how much you care about the brand and the premium chassis, which is great. I love that 1440p screens are catching on just in general. I know obviously not everybody loves gaming on a laptop, but game, gaming laptops are extremely popular. They're huge sellers and they, they have been, especially throughout the last year when people have been spending more and more time at home. And it's just like, it's a form factor people like. So I think in a lot of ways, like it's a really interesting, it's also interesting to see that they made another, they made a different screen size, right? So the most popular Razer Blade is the 15, no doubt. Like the 15 inch gaming laptop is sort of like the prototype. And this one's like a little smaller 14 one, 14 inch one. And a couple companies have done that. And I'm curious why that's been the case. But I mean, obviously it sounds like if it's, get, if it's getting a little warm and I know you said you didn't you didn't love the, the webcam and stuff like that. There's obviously some work to be done, especially on a premium. But the fact that they've filled it with ports, that they have a really thin laptop, 
that can do that gaming if you can deal with the heat of it. Like, it is a nice start, especially now that they're doing AMD laptops. I'm curious if they're going to go for an all AMD laptop at any point, which has become the next thing, right? Intel, NVIDIA, or AMD, NVIDIA have been around for a bit, but now we're starting to see the advantage machines that trade power between the AMD CPU and GPUs. Yeah, it is. I do at least appreciate the variety of having, again, more AMD options. And this is, a like you said, like a premium machine. You're not sacrificing the screen. You're not getting, you're getting a warm keyboard, but it's a pretty advanced keyboard per key RGB. Um, all the inputs are programmable as well in the software. So th there's a lot there. I do feel Tony's point of view though, if you're really like a hardcore gamer who's about to put hours and hours into this though, this is probably not for you. It's gonna get hot. But if you're, you know, kind of like mainstream, you also want something that you could carry around with you. It takes USB-C charging as well. Obviously not for, you know, when you're gaming, but there's a lot of um, versatile uses for it, but maybe not for the hardcore gamers. So I am gonna do a little self-promotion. I'm gonna share the review uh, in the chat right here. Um, so you can check out our full review on the website. I do have a good question from Gem Sparkles um, on NVIDIA gaming laptops. So they ask, is performance with NVIDIA cards on gaming laptops more limited by cooling than wattage to the card, therefore making max Q less of a concern than a laptop's cooling design? Um, that's that's a, a lot of a question. Andrew, do you have any thoughts there as our laptop leader slash lord? Sure, Max, I mean, just to clarify, Max-Q has taken a whole bunch of different meetings in a very short lifespan where it started where NVIDIA was really marketing Max-Q as like a lower power option. And now it's a little less so. Typically when we find ones that are Max-Q enabled, they're A, they're not part of the marketing, but you can go in and find it in your system. B usually means they're using one of a number of features that, and some of them that they all use, but uh, that are labeled max Q, and maybe it does mean that they're more quiet or that they're lower power. So typically the bigger systems, they're, they're less likely to use max Q, but across all laptops, and this is gaming, non-gaming, you know, productivity, tablets even, when you get into things like that, the cooling and is the big difference between, between any two notebooks. So if you have two laptops li with literally the same CPU and GPU and RAM and storage and all like that, but and make, put in two completely different chassis, one of them is gonna be a little bit better and that probably affects performance. That doesn't always mean that it's going to be in a, in a mount that you're gonna notice day to day, but from running benchmarks, you will see. So they both matter, but the cooling design is a big deal and it's always gonna be no matter, even if you're not using a laptop with a GPU, it's definitely always a differentiator and it's why in bigger, thicker laptops, you often see better performance. So Tony, when is Rage and Tech coming out with the laptop custom loop kit? <laughs> we have it, it's called a vapor chamber. <laughs> um, actually our mother company is doing the vapor chamber. They were one of the first one doing that. Also for the complete cell phones. The VC is uh, pretty effective, but, but the lifespan is not pretty uh, good enough from my point of view. I mean, uh, going into a laptop, uh, DIY cooling, honestly speaking, from my point of view, it makes no sense, to be honest, because the lifespan of a laptop is way shorter than a standard. Uh, I mean, people that are using laptops, they intend to change their laptops more often than their complete system. And there comes the point. Um, 
in terms of laptops, when you have issues, uh, most probably you don't get the spare parts on your own. <clears throat> Besides that, for a complete gaming machine, it's different. So I rather put all the resources into standard computers than going into the laptop um, designs. Yeah, frankly, I could never see it happening just by the fact that they're portable. Is like you put your desktop there, you put in your you put in your liquid cooling, and it sits there, uh, and it's good. I you remember. I remember one model from Asus, if I'm not mistaken, they had an external um, water cooling yes. solution. It was a um, huge base that plugged yes, into the back. Yes, but it worked very well. It worked very well, but I don't think it's worth the money. You know, the amount that you have to put into this extra cooling is way too much for the outcome you have. The thing about that was also that because it was external, it was effectively like a dock. I mean, granted, it was already a big, this was already a chunky gaming yeah. PC, but that wasn't something, generally people like that they can take their gaming, like the point of getting a gaming laptop or any laptop is that you can take, you know, put it and take it with you somewhere. Even if it's a big one, if you're going to a LAN party, it is easier to take that than, you know, a giant desktop in some cases. True. But if you put But if you put external cooling there, that's great for one location, but that's something you're probably not going to carry around. So it's definitely something that Agreed is a little totally, limited. Agree totally. So I guess yeah. I'll have to deal with either a warm keyboard or a fat laptop for now. <laughs> I'll make do, don't worry. I mean, besides that, you can use the laptop coolers that are on the market already. I mean, we saw back in the days, we used to produce a couple of them with a big uh, fan inside. And we had a drop of 10 to 15 degrees on the motherboard already. So it was pretty effective. I don't know why nobody is really doing this anymore. Because it was a, it was for less, um, you know, efforts, you had a good uh, outcome. And it was not cost intensive as well. Those kind of uh, laptop coolers, they were around $40, $50 max. And dropping, dropping the GPU 10 to 15 degrees was already in there. So I think that... Uh, that that is the right direction to go for. Awesome. Well, it looks like we are about near the end of our time. So I just want to, before we go, thank everyone who's been watching and remind you to please like us on Facebook if you haven't already. Subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels. You never want to miss any of the fun we're always having here at Tom's Hardware. Um, we also make every episode available as a podcast, so feel free to listen in as well. Tony Sahin from Rage and Tech, thank you so much for joining us today. Do you have any last words for our viewers? Just stay healthy during the pandemic. That's the most important. Awesome. Thank you. And of course, thank you to Andrew for um, hanging out with us. <laughs> All right. That is, that is our show. We'll see you next Thursday. Thank you. Yeah.